Mondays and lasagna. These are respectively the distastes and tastes of Garfield the cat, whose lazy and laconic nature often comes at the expense of his owner, John Arbuckle. John's awkward and clumsy nature are often the source of his romantic struggles, of which he often confides in his dog Odie and his facetious feline friend, such as his inability to get a date for New Year's Eve, to which Garfield replies, Don't feel bad, John. They wouldn't go out with you even if it weren't New Year's. Garfield's success as a comic strip opened the door to many other forms of media, including a cartoon, where John was voiced by actor Tom Huge. Years after the success of Garfield, Torrance California punk band Joyce Manor would release their fourth studio album, a sonic departure from their previous work, but still met with acclaim and praise. The album would share the same name as the voice of John Arbuckle's hometown in Wyoming, Cody. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Punkorama, where we strive and endeavor to get to every epitaph ever, where we wax poetic on nostalgia and aesthetic. So, welcome aboard from your podcast warlord. Uh, that's me, ladies and gentlemen, the podcast warlord. And uh, jumping right into it today, uh, we're gonna start talking to my guest, who once spent 20 minutes teaching his professor about punk history in Ann Arbor, but for some reason left out the her story. Is he just a mouthpiece for the alt-rights, men right, men's rights activists? We'll find out today when we talk to Zach motherfucking Starboy Gelfand. So let's hear it, man. Are you just a, are you just a men's rights alt-right dude? You're leaving out the history of Ann Arbor uh, uh, punk rock? No, I mean, I, this, is just, <laughs> this is just like what I know. This is just what people have been telling me, uh, which sadly didn't include <laughs> you had no idea i was gonna throw no, that at I you didn't. so <laughs> man oh no he made me out to be some sort of criminal um no like just what i've heard is like velvet underground mc5 sure iggy pop but um yeah i mean i'm sure that it's just stuff i don't know about <laughs> <laughs> it's fine dude i don't think i don't think anyone whoever actually meets you would rightfully think that you're part of the alt-right or well, let's see what kind of shoes Nikes. You're not wearing New Balances, so I guess that's a. Are New Balances an, uh, indicative it's, it's of the been, right? Uh, it's like one of the <laughs> things that they've like kind of co-opted as their huh. own like thing. I, I met you at a, uh, a Words and Guitars event, which is a thing that takes place here in New York City, and uh, you're a writer for Uprocks, is mm -hmm. that right? Yeah. How long have you been working there? I, I sadly haven't been working there for super long. Um, I started. Uh, a little less than a year ago, I started in November 2016, um, and we'll keep doing that <laughs> until I can't anymore. <laughs> and you're, uh, you're, uh, are you like a staff music writer? What's your? Yeah, I'm a staff music writer. Um, mainly, I focus on rock music, um, under more underground rock Ooh. music. Yeah, how cool! Yeah, um, is this like your? Is this like your first like pro writing gig? Like, what have you? What have you done before then? Uh, before this. Yeah, basically, this is my first. Um, I like interned at Stereo Gum, mm -hmm. uh, which was a lot of fun. I learned a lot, met a lot of people there, um, and then I wrote for a smaller blog called Antiquiet for a while, from when I was like fifteen until recently. 
Antiquite. I haven't heard of yeah. that. Is it still a thing? Is it still it's a still thing? a thing. Um, it's it's not as active as it once was, mm. uh, but people still use it to post their thoughts on things sometimes. What kind of stuff would people write about on Antiquite? Uh, it was a lot of focus on like Foo Fighters, Queens of the Stone Age, Nine Inch Nails, that kind of um, so era like, of rock. Mm, mm, okay, so like popular rock of like the early 2000s. Right. Right, right. Which was my shit for a while. It was your shit for a while. Yeah. What What was it that uh that got you so into that? Like, what were your bands? Those bands, pretty much. Yeah, those. I. I okay. I mean, I still to this day love Foo Fighters. Uh-huh. Um, sure. I think they're just awesome. I think it's hard to to hate on them. Yeah. Or you know what? It's actually easy to hate on them <laughs> because they're so popular, right. and that makes it like kind of that. It's not as interesting thing to hate. Right. Yeah. I I had a friend who's like, oh man, I just can't stand the Foo Fighters, and I was like, well, have you ever actually listened to the music? And she was like, no, I just don't like the media presence of that band. And I was like, well, take a second and actually give it a shot. Right. Because... And it's the sense that like they are a popular rock band playing popular rock music. And it's like, for what it is, it's very good popular rock music. Yeah. And the thing with them is they're not trying to be anything else <laughs> right. than what they are, which is the credit you have to give them. If they were trying to be someone else or something else or like having some kind of like ego about stuff, like that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But I think because they're, they know what they are and they do what they do very well, then like it's hard to really shit on them. Yeah. Like, what do you, yeah. What are you, what are you going to do? Like, Oh, you're not this. Well, they're not trying to be that. <laughs> right, you know? right. um, but one of the things that we were talking about at that words and guitars thing is one of your big things now is you write a lot about pop punk, which is yeah. like my bread and butter <laughs> stuff. And so, like, what are the pop punk bands, the contemporary ones that are out now that you are into? Um, man, I, I went through and still kind of in a huge like Wonder Years phase. Sure. Um, I feel like they've kind of moved out of the realm of pop punk at this point because I think there's kind of a uh, what's the word? P- people hear pop punk and they think one thing. Um, what do you think they think? Kind of newfound glory, okay. kind of like quote-unquote whiny mm-hmm. vocal styles and um but I, I i think that recently that the wonder years have totally moved out of that and into like a i don't even know how to describe it it's like totally different kind of sound for me at least like mm-hmm. it's totally raw but it's still emotionally resonant mm-hmm. um but not in the way of just like complaining about how your mom wouldn't let you play video games or something like that you know right but that you're yeah that's also kind of like pigeoning pigeonholing like right. that like sort of that like uh late 90s early 2000s yeah. era of pop punk into its own thing because there still is some whining i think sometimes about moms in this new era mm-hmm. but i think what's happening uh with this like wave of pop punk is that like you know Pop punk, punk, whatever, like re has these resurgence every like ten years or whatever, right? Into a pop as becoming a popular thing, and with this resurgence, the thing that it's like mixed with is is like indie rock, right? Yeah. And so like that's what it seems like. The Wonder Years, who started off as like you know that first record was just like a straight pop punk record, mm-hmm. you know, and then the second record was it had its pop punk songs, but it started like moving into into other things and then with the greatest generation you're kind of hit with this like more alt rock kind of indie sound but you know that seems to be like what's happening like with like a newer band who's not really been right now modern baseball i was gonna mention them too they're like they kind of fit into that and also the band we're talking about today joyce manor with this record they seem to be sort of moving in that direction as well it just seems like with this like 
sort of wave of these pop punk bands. It's like it, it's got these like sort of like uh, quote unquote indie rock or garage rock, you know, whatever influences mm-hmm. into it. And it's like like kind of smoothing it out a little bit, but it still has like that parallel fifth sound and like it's got the catchy hooks and, yeah. and things like that. Uh, any other bands you can think of that are sort of like fall into that? I was trying to think of some before and I couldn't. Um, like contemporary stuff? Yeah. Uh, what have I been listening to? This band that I'm wearing, Katie Ellen. They're mm-hmm. pretty great. We saw oh, them I've last never even night. Heard of them. Uh, Anika Pyle is the front woman. Okay. She used to be in a band called Chumped, mm-hmm. um, who was from Brooklyn, and they were like a pop punk band. Uh, they put out a couple of EPs in one record, I believe, mm-hmm. and they're just great. And uh, Katie Ellen is her new project, and that is also great. And I highly recommend it. Oh, I gotta, I gotta check it out. What would be like? Is there like? Do they have just like one album? Yeah, they, they, we, I was just at their record release show last oh, night. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, could you like? Do you not to put you on the spot? But are, is there like a track or two that you could like drop? Like say like to check this one out. Just go to their Spotify and pick the first one. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it's all pretty good. Stuff. It's all pretty good, and the the record is short. It's like thirty minutes, so you could sure. get, it, get through it in one sitting. <laughs> uh, are you into like Moose Blood? Uh I liked that f- the first album, the first full length. Um, oh, you don't like the, you don't like Blush. You don't like the new I one. I don't know if I ever even really sat and listened to it. Oh, I think um, you're missing out. Yeah, friends. I think it's great. I know yeah, I yeah. I got I have it on my iTunes. I sure. don't know if I ever really listened to it. There listen was that one it. song on the first album, and I'm totally gonna forget okay. what, what it was. What, it's the one about like about? coming over to someone's house to watch a movie in the dark. Oh, I can't think of what that one is. American Beauty, I think, is the movie. <laughs> but I don't remember the song title. I can't remember what song it is either. And I'm the one who like pimped you into like <laughs> to, like try to say what it was, and I can't think of it. I think that record is Keep You in Mind from Time to Time. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that record's so good. That song Cherry that opens it up is like so great. It's kind of like it reminds me of like a brand new song. Mm-hmm. And then like I guess the hit off that would probably be like Bukowski, and I think that's such a good yeah, yeah. pop punk song. Um, and then the song after that's Kelly Kapowski. That's a really good one too. But yeah, there's like this nice kind of resurgence of, of pop punk and it's mixing with, you know, cause that's what, that's what pop punk seems to be doing is like, you know, it would mix with like Sky and you'd have like yeah. Real Big Fish or Less Than Jake and, uh, No Doubt. And then it would mix with, um, you know, uh, like what else? Like kind of like more hardcore stuff and you have bands like Four Year Strong and things like that. And now it's kind of mixing with this indie rock thing and you're, you're having this, I don't know what what it seems uh, journalists. I guess I'll I'll put you in there oh, too. Yeah. But like Joyce, like for Joyce Manor for this record, like they got to write up in the Times, you know. Yeah. And it's and all of this stuff is about like pop punk is maturing, <laughs> you know. It's finally growing up, uh, and uh, I, I guess it's a good thing. I like it. Like even I like I love the Menzingers. Do you? Like, yeah. Are you, are you, are you yeah. I listened to your episode on the Menzingers. You did. Yeah. Uh, which which one was that? Uh, on the impossible path. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, because we just recorded one, but it's not out yet. Okay. Uh, but that's I, I drop a bomb on that episode <laughs> where I think I think the newest record after the party makes the Menzingers an important band. I mean, I thought that record was fantastic. I think it's so good. Um, I think that it like it, well, you can just listen to that episode yeah. and hear me gush on it. <laughs> but I think it makes them like an important band. So when you were where, where are you from? I'm from uh, just outside of New York City. Um, I'm from Westchester, like an hour train ride outside. What part of Westchester? Chappaqua. Chappaqua. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when you were when you were growing up in Chappaqua, what was like the the local record store you would go to? There was none. 
Oh, uh, so would you have to go on like white planes or something like that? No, go to the borders or what? <laughs> R.I.P. Borders. Yeah. Um, no, I went to the my uh, town library. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think the limit that they had was like you could take out fifteen CDs at a time. That's a lot. That's a that's lot. A lot I feel like. <laughs> so I would take out fifteen CDs and bring them all home and just burn them into my computer. This and was, bring them back. This was the first. This was like your first like exposure to being able to like get your own music. Yeah, because I wasn't paying the ninety nine cents for iTunes. No way. I was gonna go get a full record mm-hmm. uh, for free. Okay. And just put it on. And then what's funny is sometimes I would burn it in, but it would be like a scratched disc, so <laughs> the files would be broken. Mm-hmm. Um, so my iTunes is just littered with broken music files. <laughs> and so, what were those first like records that you were renting from the library? Like, what did the Chappaqua Library? Would that is that what yeah, it would yeah. be? Chappaqua Public Library have like available? It surprisingly had a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, whatever I wanted, I could get there. Uh, so, what would you get? At the beginning, it was mostly classic rock records, got like all the Led Zeppelin stuff and all the ACDC stuff. Why that? Why would you go for that? Just because you had heard of it? Did your yeah. parents like it or something? Yeah, because or... the, the, the collection was so big, I was just like, okay, this is something I recognize. I'm mm. going to take out all of these Led Zeppelin albums and put them in my computer. Um, then it started to move into just kind of stuff I was reading about online, if I could find anything. Because it was usually older stuff that they had. They didn't really have the new releases. Um, I got the Green Day records. I got the Nirvana records. That At the um, library? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, my dad surprisingly had... Nevermind and In Utero, like in our CD collection. Those are big records. Yeah. I can, I can <laughs> and I, I recently talked to him about it. I was like, why did you, he doesn't listen to that music. I was like, why did you have these? He's like, everyone was buying it at the time. Sure. So yeah, to, see, that's what, you have to see what's going on. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I still don't think he really loves it, but. <laughs> what kind of stuff does he like? Well, he's, he introduced me to like classic rock, like classic rock radio. Oh, and, um, okay. He, he had uh, all of that, those CDs, like, um, or a bunch of those CDs, but I, I like, once I heard one Led Zeppelin album, I wanted to like get all of them. Sure. So the library was a good resource for that. And then what made you, what is what made you like start looking into like Green Day, for instance, since that's a band you're so big on? Yeah. Um, my uncle, one day, is Billy Joe Armstrong. Is Billy Joe Armstrong? <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Um, no, he just. Uh, I don't remember how it came up, but he like burned me a CD. And he was like, here, just listen. Because he lives in Florida. So mm-hmm. we had this rental car. And he was like, put this in the rental car when you're going to the airport. Just listen to this. And it was Dookie. And I was like, I was probably eight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, man. Um, I, my dad dropped our family off at the terminal to like check in. And I like was like, no, I'm coming with you to drop off the rental car. And we just like listened to uh, Burnout like four times. Mm-hmm. That song is so <laughs> sick. Um, and then like two years later, I was back in Florida, and my uncle was like, let me show you this video. And it was the American Idiot music video on uh, America Online when that was still the internet. And uh, he showed that to me, and then I spent the rest of the day watching that video on a loop. Mm-hmm. Um, that video is still sick to this day. Um, yeah, so that, that was just like my introduction, and I was just I don't even know what hit me so hard about it, but... It hit me. It hit me really hard. Well, I think that song itself is just like it's such a great album opener, and yeah. that like that record so iconic. That was my first album, full album I ever bought um, was Dookie, and like yeah, that album just like is such a perfect introduction yeah. to like like punk or pop punk, you know, for for a young man I feel mm-hmm. or a young lady, but I I can only experience things <laughs> as a young man. Um, so that's what it was. Have you heard Bayside's cover of Burnout? 
Are you a Bayside fan? I think I've heard one of their records. I don't know if I've heard the cover. Oh, okay. But so you're not really a Bayside fan? Uh, I'm a big Bayside fan. <laughs> and they just, this, it like just came out. I was also playing a Joyce Manning song <laughs> over that, which is why it sounded so weird. Obviously, like, well, much more produced than, like, yeah. Green Day's version. But, like, I'm just a big fan of, like, Anthony Ranieri's voice. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know, I enjoyed hearing him do that, even though, of course, I prefer the Green Day version. <laughs> but, uh, so, you started off on Green Day, and that's, like, was kind of, like, your first, like, flush into punk or pop Oh, punk. yeah. And then what, what, what did you go from there to? Uh, probably Nirvana. Okay. Moved into that direction of, like, kind of heavier and more chaotic. What year is all this happening, by the way? This is probably... Oh four, oh five. Okay. So I was, I can't do math, eight or nine. Okay. Um, what year were you born, if you don't mind me 96. Asking. 96. Yeah. Okay. June 96. Mm -hmm. Just turned 21. Yeah. <laughs> do you, you probably get that a lot, like, as like, oh, you're such a young guy, I, you know, you, you, things, things must be so different for you. Like, oh, you were, you were born into iTunes and stuff like that. Like, especially if you're, like, working, in like, in the music journalism industry, like, I feel like people like to hold court and like to be like, oh, when well, I was your age. And I haven't, like, yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't experienced much of that. It's more just like a self-imposed thing where I'm oh, like, really? I'm like, man, I wish I could have gone to the American Idiot Tour. <laughs> I wish I could have done this stuff and that stuff, like, but I wasn't, sure. like, didn't do it. And, like, I, I didn't see Green Day until last uh, October uh -huh. for the first time. Uh, which was like a totally religious experience. Sure. It was amazing. Sure. And I, uh, they were playing the Fillmore in Detroit, and I went to that. I was like on the floor. It was like two and a half hours, just getting my ass kicked on the floor. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who opened up for them on that tour? Uh, I think it was a band called Dog Party. Dog I, I missed. Party? I missed their set. I oh, got okay. there a little late. Um, I got there for their last song. They mm -hmm. were good, from what I heard. Hmm. Um, and then I saw them again. When they were doing the Revolution Radio Stadium tour okay. with Against Me, mm -hmm. um, which was also awesome. Yeah, yeah, and like uh, I got media access for that show, which was awesome. Cool. Uh, but they gave me a seat in the stadium, and I was like, No, 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 I'm not <laughs> sitting in the seat. So my friend had a general admission ticket, and I just had him print out two copies of it. So I had my ticket to get into the venue, and then you just showed. And him I just that. showed him that, and they sure. let me on the floor. Great show. Great. Yeah. Way to, way to stick it to the man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so, okay, so you, so you get into, uh, you were into Green Day and then you started getting into Nirvana and stuff like that. So what made you start wanting to like be a writer of music? What made you think you knew better than other people about music? <laughs> I still don't think I know better than other people. I just, um, I was in a couple of bands. Okay. Um, and then I got to a point where I was like, I'm not really good at writing songs but maybe I can write about songs. Mm. Um, so I just, I like started shopping around for any blog that would take me as a 14 year old kid from Westchester, New York. Like it takes a while to get to a show. <laughs> um, and the first blog that took me was Antiquiet. Um, and that was my first step into writing. What were the, I mean, so 
there were there were no like venues that people would go to in like Westchester no. when you were growing up. Like, because I know like Portchester now has like a venue that there's bands that are starting yeah, the to Capitol go Theater. to. Theater, but that's like new. Yeah, I know that that's new, and uh, yeah, I can't think of anywhere else. I feel like the only place around there that I would remember bands going to is like the Chance in Poughkeepsie. But that mm-hmm. is that where like you would go to for shows? You'd rather just come, come to, the, to city. the city, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, and I didn't even start going to shows until I was like fourteen. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, remember like what what your first one was? Or Foo Fighters your, was Foo Fighters. Was yep. it at like the Garden? Garden. Or? Cool. Yeah, that blew my mind because <laughs> I didn't. I like I went from not really going to too many shows to going to like it was the Wasting Light tour. Um, just like a stadium show, it was just so loud and so awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, Social Distortion opened, and the Joy Formidable opened. Oh, cool! Which was awesome. That's a cool build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Joan Jett came out, and they played Bad Reputation, and it was just rocked my fucking world. That's great, man. That's <laughs> yeah. cool. So, uh, so you, so you grew up with that stuff. When you actually started, like. You were getting CDs from the library, which is both very cool and very funny at the yeah, same yeah, time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but like, at some point, like you started buying music. Were you, were you just buying stuff online, or did you go ever go to like a record store to like get the stuff? Yeah, I went to Record Store Day in 2011, and that was like one of my first times really. Oh wow! Being okay. like, being like in that environment of mm-hmm. a music buyer. Mm. Um. I bought Wasting Light on CD. Okay. And I bought an album by Duff McKagan's Loaded. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Because you just like heard like a track or like you knew it and you were into I, it? I, it was their second album, their second full length. <laughs> okay. And I had heard the first one and I was like, this is pretty cool. So I bought the second one. And it was like, a, I think they only pressed it to vinyl for that day. <laughs> sure. So I bought that. Um, interesting album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, I didn't really know anything. I was just like, also, I didn't really know how a record store day worked. Mm -hmm. You're like waiting online for two hours. Then all of a sudden you have to choose everything you want. You're not like picking things out as you go. It was, this was that generation. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just got to the front and I was like, ah, I don't know. And then I just like got a bunch of stuff. (laughs) So that, but that's like kind of the extent of like your like physical media uh, purchasing like history yeah once i got to school i started buying more stuff because there's like three i go to school in michigan at at university of michigan in ann arbor oh okay um there's like three record stores around so what are those like those are great what Um, are the do you do you know remember any of the names of it yeah there's wazoo Mm. which is like you go up these steps it's like a classic record store they've got um mostly older stuff but some newer stuff there's encore which has newer stuff no no sorry encore has just older stuff okay um and then there's one more, I'm totally blanking. Underground Sounds okay. that has just like new stuff, and that's where you can like pre-order your album and like pick it up and um, do those kinds of actions. Are they like all kind of in walking distance to each other? Yeah. Is there like one? I'm I'm not I've never been to Michigan or Ann Arbor. Is it like one like I'm sure I'm sure a fairly good sized college town, mm-hmm. or are there like a few different like college town areas? That... It's it's just a big sized um, town. There's like two main streets where like most of the shops are. So they're all within a mile of each other. Right. Yeah. And so that's where you would go to get all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you remember some of the records that you bought at those, uh, any of those three places? Like what was, what was going on at that time? Um, I bought a Bright Eyes record. Okay. Um, what, I'm wide awake this morning. <laughs> Is there another one? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I bought No Closer to Heaven, the Wonder Years album. 
which they had, which was awesome. Um, I bought a Beach Slang record. Um, uh, that's all I can remember off the top of my head. That's okay. Yeah. So this is also probably, what, what year is this? That I started buying this stuff? Well, yeah, that this was all going on. This was, I went to school in 2014. Okay, so this yeah. isn't too long ago. So no. at this point, Joyce Manor is the thing yeah. that, that is putting out records. Do you remember the first time that you had heard them or heard of them? Like, how, how did you get introduced to them? Uh, probably when Never Hungover came out. Uh, it was just making the rounds on the internet. And I listened to it. It's just so fast. It's, it's like, and I just love fast. If it's fast, I'll probably like it. Okay. Um, so yeah, this like I heard that, and then I went back to the first album, which is even faster, and I loved that, and then um, started dabbling in that like demo stuff. That's kind of the in between. Um, what's that album called? Of all the of things, all things, things I'll, I'll, which is more of a demo album, right? Or is it a? Full I think length? it's a full length. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds much more raw <laughs> than the other stuff, though. Uh, it's. I don't think it's a demo album. I think yeah, it's a it's a full length. Don't they have a demo album though? It's called Collection. Uh, let's see. They have a comp called Collection. Yeah, yeah. It came out in 2012. Yeah. They're also, uh, was it in your interview that you did? So you did an interview mm-hmm. um, with, uh, what's his name? Barry. Uh, Barry, uh, Barry Johnson uh, for the, about this record. Um, and I don't remember if it, was, if it was your interview or another interview I read where they're saying that before they put out another record, they're going to be putting out a B-Sides thing. Uh, yeah, they're working on that. Or they were talking about that because right. they have a bunch of stuff that like from Cody and Never Hung Over that mm-hmm. didn't really fit what they were going for, so they have a bunch of stuff left over. Right, and I, I don't know. I'd be excited to hear a lot yeah. of that stuff because he was talking about that other B-Side that they had for Never Hung Over Again, which is essentially like a hard tattoo, but yeah. like a shittier version of yeah, it. Yeah. I'd like to hear a, a shittier version that. of the song. I love that song. Yeah. That song's so good. I told him that. He was like, I like that song too, but we don't need a worse version of it. So... <laughs> They don't. I think we do. I want it. Yeah, I want it too. So, um, let's see. Uh, so you you did an interview with him for uh, via Uprox, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for this record, did you pitch that or like were they like we need to do this? You go talk to this guy. Um, I think it was like on the calendar of something that people were interested in doing, and I had just started at the time, and I was like, I'll do it. And then they were <laughs> like, Okay, yeah, sure. And that was the first interview I did for them, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it went well. I hope. I think I, dude. I think that that. I think your article was was a was great. I Thank think you. The bit before it was good. I think the interview was fun. You started off talking with him about the new Blink yeah. because you had you had known that he's a Blink and an Alkaline Trio fan. Yep. And uh, you, let's talk a little bit about that. What do you think about New Blink? New Blink. Um, I saw them last summer. Man, I just I just missed Tom. Um, all the respect to Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's holding it down as best he can, but like uh, it just feels like there's something missing. Do you think they should have changed their name? Uh, I never really gave that much thought. Um, think about it. Think about <laughs> it. Um, no, I mean it's still it's just, it's two thirds of the members. So. Yeah, but so is Boxcar. Boxcar. But I think that it. Tom was going for something different with that. Oh yeah, he he definitely was. Yeah, it's 15 years of Boxcar this year. Yeah. Um, sure. And he, Tom keeps posting pictures, like hinting at a some sort of something. Um, I would love to see Boxcar. I would love to see Boxcar too. <laughs> I never got to see Boxcar, um, but not, they're not gonna. Tom's, uh, Tom, Tom, Travis isn't gonna do that. Uh, who knows? You think he's gonna do? It that? seems like Travis is the, 
the one who's talking to Tom. Mark isn't talking to Tom. Mark isn't talking to Tom. Yeah, I think that's the case. But I think that, like, Travis is, like, as he always been, is, like, the just the middleman, kind of. I guess, but I don't think they're, like, having, like, a bi-weekly, like, status <laughs> update meeting. Like, I think that, like, once in a while, they'll, like, bump into each other yeah, yeah. At, at, an, at an event, you know, <laughs> and they'll be, like... And also, like, doesn't, doesn't Mark live in, in England right now? Hey, I think part-time, yeah. Right. So I know I know Tom's is like based in Southern California still. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Travis lives in some kind of palace penthouse <laughs> in LA. Yeah. So I'm sure that they are probably running into each other more often right. than Mark is. Um I like it. I like it. I think it's like it's certainly a different thing. Did I, you like California? Yeah, I did. I did like California. I that was like was... my record of last summer for some reason. Like I just listened to it constantly. Uh what would my record of last summer have been? I don't remember. Did, I'm trying to remember when the Forever Came Calling record was. Uh, do you know that band? Forever Came, yeah. I love, I love that. That record. album came out a long time ago. A long time ago, like like two years ago. Okay, so sorry, <laughs> two years ago, no, well, not the, last Then there was, year. there was, this was the second one, right? The second one. What yeah. matters most. Mm-hmm. And then there I was thought the that first record one, was so good. Contender, Contender which yeah. was 2012, something like that. Yeah. But what matters most is what I was, what I was thinking mm-hmm. of because I love that record yeah. so much. And I think maybe that record just, I liked it so much it carried over to the next <laughs> summer because I do remember li- listening to it. Yeah, they're a good band. Um, but uh, yeah, I liked California. I thought there was like a lot of good stuff in there. And I, I love Matt Skiba. I love Matt Skiba. Any, anything that he does, like the Matt Skiba and, and, and the Secrets band. Have you ever heard of any of that stuff? Is that his solo stuff? More it, solo-y stuff? It's kind of more solo-y stuff, but it's like it's like another project. Aside yeah, from his I don't know if I've ever stuff. sat and listened to it. It's really good. And like... Boy, oh boy, his voice, like, with that, just, like, elevates Blink to this other thing. Mm-hmm. So if they, like, change their name to something or, like, just call themselves, like, w- like Dash 182 or something like that, I don't know. I guess I'd be okay with it. Yeah. But, like, there's this one part on California in the song that I would, like, normally skip over on the record. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the song. It's, like, it starts off, like, it's in, like, a minor tone. It's, like, sometimes I wonder where the light's going. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Is that not California? Oh, Maybe not it is California. California. Yeah, yeah, it is California. That the hook in that song, that's Matt Skiba's like hook. I think that's the best part of the record. It's so good. It it just has like the like such a good Matt Skiba melody. Like Tom mm-hmm. could never touch that, you know. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's the hook that goes. I never wanted to hear all of the right, thing. right, right. I right. love that yeah, part yeah, yeah. so much. I think that's so, I think that's the best. The part hooks of the on record. that album are really really strong. They are really strong. They're really good, and they do almost to a point where I could see it's like kind of contrived. They try to put in like the fun blink stuff, yeah, too. and like like I, Bohemian Rhapsody, Bohemian Rhapsody, or um, <laughs> uh, the I built this pool, mm-hmm. and like I, I guess I like that they put that stuff on there, but it's almost like a little too gimmicky. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did you listen to the deluxe version <laughs> of the album? I did. It's just a whole new album. It is, uh, and it was fine to put out as yeah. a B side thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, I don't think I'll, I'm I'm like itching to go back and listen to the second CD of the yeah. deluxe version of California. But it's a nice thing to have for completists. Totally. I, I guess I'd consider myself that for yeah. Um Anyway, getting back to... Sorry. That's, no, no, no. I'm the one who brought it up uh, because you had brought it up to, to uh, Barry. Mm-hmm. And so um, we got his thoughts on that. And so what, what was like the... You had met him at like a show. What was the story of this? So I, I saw uh, the band play in Detroit. Uh, at a place called L Club in Detroit, which is pretty small. I think it's like 300 cap, something like that. And 
Joyce Manor was playing. It was Joyce Manor and Crying and one other band I can't seem to remember. But all the bands were great. Okay. Um so Joyce Manor was playing and the place like has an AC unit um to keep it cuz it's a warehouse so it gets really hot. Uh and it was probably October, which should have not have been as hot as it was, but it was. Mm -hmm. Um and the AC just broke and it start the the unit is right above the soundboard and so the condensation started dripping onto the soundboard and while they were playing all the mics were cutting out and mm. stuff and uh um so it was just a crazy show and it was so hot uh just like to the point where it's like steam coming off of people like really really hot steam coming <laughs> off yeah. of people like you know like when you go outside you see like like it's just billowing out the doors yeah. it was like that um great show mm -hmm. um and then afterward, I just like very briefly was like, hey, great set. Like that was really our interaction. Um, but then when I interviewed him, we talked about that. And he's like, I think that was like the hottest show I've ever played in my life. Mm -hmm. um, it was ridiculous. And they, they eventually put the like cover on the soundboard and the sound guy was like underneath the cover sure. working it so that it wouldn't get wet. Um, but like th there was a point where they were just, he was just screaming and they were no mics. Um, <laughs> There was, there was also a guy who, like, was vaping in the front row and kept blowing vape smoke into Barry's face. And Barry, like, thought it was funny the first time, but then he kept doing it. He was like, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> what a cool guy. Yeah, I know. Vaping in the front, front row. row. At the punk show. That's the vaping in the front row at the punk show. That's Duff McKagan's new record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so this album comes out, and it's like, as I said in the intro, a little bit of a departure from their, like, sort of punkier stuff. One of the reasons for that is they have a new drummer mm -hmm. um, who's a little bit more indie rock inclined than their previous drummer. But uh, for, as per your interview, uh, Barry was Barry was saying that uh, you know he writes he writes a lot of the melodies first, and uh, then all the music sort of comes later. And one of the things while they were putting the songs together, it seems like, is they were paying a lot of attention to like the tempo of these songs. And so in that tempo is often driven by the rhythm section featuring the drummer so you got a lot of uh mid-tempo stuff in this and i thought that was kind of interesting that like you have these songs that could take on you know all of these different types of character you know it's like the song's soul right and it could have any kind of like shell other shell that um that it could be a fast song or whatever and he talks about how certain melodies go better with fast or slower tempos but you know it just it kind of reminded me of um do you know a show called banshee you ever mm -hmm. hear of it oh wait i think i've heard of it but i don't know it's a show on i think cinemax or showtime mm -hmm. showtime i think and um it was uh created by this dude jonathan tropper and he was saying how when he made the show was thinking of the show and he's pitching it to networks he was just like he had this very basic conceit well the thing about banshee is like it's this fucking batshit crazy show because you have this like it, it, it's you've got like this like kind of anti-hero cop and each week it's kind of like a monster of the week type thing but he fights like a different like crazy like 80s action movie like figure like he'll fight like a big indian guy he'll fight like these white supremacists and all of this stuff like is taking place around this like one like like rural town of banshee and it's got all of these like crazy characters. There's like, um, there's like uh, these Amish people and Amish gangsters, and like it's it's insane. It is insane. There's there's a uh, his size like 
one of his sidekicks is this like like gay uh gay hacker asian guy who like cross dresses and is a hairdresser it's fucking batshit crazy but like as he was talking about the show he was like the 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 premise of the show is that a cop comes into a new town a guy come uh, an ex-con comes into a new town and a sheriff gets killed and he picks up the badge and says i'm the sheriff now right and that's it. And so with that premise... When does this take... What year does this take place? It's all contemporary. It's like... So someone can just pick up a badge and say, I'm the sheriff now? Well, the, what, what happened was like the sheriff was new in town as well. Oh, And so like it. he's like... he was. They were both new in town. And then in the show, the they get into a bar fight. The sheriff gets killed. So he takes the sheriff's identity because nobody in the town of Banshee Got knows who, who the sheriff is. I see. Yeah. And so, like, you can see how that premise could be, like, if it was on CBS, like, it would be much more cleaned up and, Mm -hmm. like, take on, like, you know, I guess kind of like a basic run-of-the-mill thing. But because it was on Showtime, which is, like, a cable channel that you can do anything on, he was just like, okay, let's just, it just developed this whole crazy thing. So, it just made me think of, like, okay, you have this song and this melody that is, like, the, the premise of it. And then it can take on all of these different characters, like, depending on the tempo and the speed of all this stuff. And so with this record, a lot of it took on this like more mid-tempo, uh, I hate to keep using the, like, the word indie, but like it, it, it's almost like a garage rock 70s thing. Like how, 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 would, how would you like to describe it? When, when in, they first announced it, I was like, hell yeah, more fast Joyce Manor songs. Then I listened to Fake ID and I was like, this is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, was, I wasn't sure how I felt about it at first, and then that hook comes in. And there's, like Barry also said, there's a lot of focus on the hooks. And the hooks on this are just monstrous. You know what? You mentioned fake ID, so let's let's just get into okay. it. So. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, 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 you can talk over it. <laughs> so this is how the album opens. So with that like intro, before the vocals kick in, like it's like this very garage rock 70s song that I could totally picture like a group of these like of like middle-aged like guys that work in insurance company are like playing at the local bar on Friday and like here's one for the ladies and like especially that like yeah exactly you know like it's just like I don't know it's got like that vibe to it but then when his vocals come in it's kind of different. but yeah, a very sort of interesting like <laughs> intro to this new record. Mm-hmm. So you heard it and like you're like, okay, this is different. But did you like it or were you like kind of like let down a little bit? I don't know if let down isn't the word, mm-hmm. um, but I was just like so excited for another like Orange Julius kind of song. Uh, and then you get this that like lead part and I was like, I don't think I've ever heard Joyce Manor do a real like instrumental break lead guitar kind of thing before this song is also a little longer than their normal songs so what's going to happen for the rest of this and then that um chorus comes in he's singing about kanye west uh and it just i just thought it was weird mm-hmm. but i didn't not like it um i was interested to see the rest the direction that the rest of the album was going to go so this is orange julius off of their self-titled record from 2011 joyce manor just to give everyone out there in the radio on the face. Oh, 
So, as like a music writer, I'm sure a lot of your friends like must come to you and like, hey, what band should I check out? You know, what do you think about this and that? If you were to like, if you were to like uh, recommend like Joyce Manor to a friend of yours or just someone, what would be the songs that you sh- you're gonna tell them go listen, to, go check out these songs, and this would be like a good a good intro to Joyce Manor. Well, it depends what type of person you're talking to. If it's like a punk person, then you'd be airing more towards the side of the self-titled in the first half of like Never Hungover and of all these things I will soon grow tired. Let's say it's just it's just regular average Joe or Sally, right? Okay. Who's, uh, who likes who likes pop music, you know? Pop music. No, like not not like not like Taylor Swift pop music, <laughs> but just like, you know, I I like I like you know what I mean? Yeah, just yeah. like your basic <laughs> I have to say your basic person. <laughs> Because of course everyone is a beautiful snowflake who has their own like wants, procl- proclivities, and dreams and things like that. But uh, I guess I'm just saying like if you don't if you don't know uh, anything about them, they come up to you in a bar, you know, and they're like, "Oh, have you heard of this band, Joyce Manor? I've heard of them. Uh, do you think I should check them out? What tracks do you recommend?" Um, I f- I feel like for someone who's like not totally sold on the whole like quote unquote punk thing, sure. you would recommend. Pretty much anything off of Never Hung Over Again, I guess, right? Like that whole album, it's short enough that you can recommend it as one song, basically. <laughs> and, and like you really get the full range of what that band can do on that album. Because mm-hmm. um, you've got the really fast stuff. Uh, Victoria's on that album, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've also got like the more melodic. Like this song is so fast. So this is Victoria off of Never Hung Over Again from 2014. And they also play the song live like two times faster. So you've also got this hook, but it's also, you know, pretty standard punk song. Mm-hmm. But it's got this really good hook that'll stay stuck in your head forever. It's very catchy. Um, yeah. I like that song as well. So you've got that kind of stuff, and then you've also got uh, what's a another more melodic song on that album? Uh, mm, There's a lot of like their, yeah, that's like their big. I would say that's like their big album to date because like mm-hmm. like Catalina Fight Song, The Jerk, yeah, and Heart Tattoo are exactly. all on this record. Exactly. Uh, their biggest song isn't. I would say their biggest song isn't on this record, which is probably Constant Headache, right? Would you yep. say that's like their most popular yeah. song? People go nuts when they play that oh, song. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't and it's they? it's such a basic song yeah. in terms of its structure and like even the instrumentals. It's just like it's just very a repeating basic. melody. Yeah. But like it is this droning on song. And I I, I I I was watching an interview with him and he was talking about like writing that song and how that song is still one of his favorites and it means so much to him because that was one of the the first songs that he had written that it was just like everything was like there for it. Mm-hmm. He was just like he was sat there and all the lyrics were right there. He was just uh he was just like writing it out, you know, in the moment and he said he cried when he wrote it. Yeah. He doesn't do that often. Um my my brother um said that he the first time he listened to that song and there's that line, You were drunker than high school mm-hmm. which like is a pretty basic line, but my brother was like, God damn it, that's the greatest thing. It's I've great. Ever heard. It's poetic. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. Um so the second track on Back to this record, Cody is 18.
So Fake ID at first track had a music video. This also had a music video. Um, and again, this is just like pretty good driving rock song. Mm -hmm. It starts off with another like very like kind of classic southern rocky like <laughs> Leonard Skinner uh, type thing. Yeah, kind of like <laughs> that. I, I I think that that's fair to say. Uh, this song is only two minutes five seconds. Yeah. A, a good thing with I don't know about a good, but a certainly a thing about them is like they have these like kind of short punk songs. And the longest track on this record looks like it's three minutes eight seconds, um, which is like light years longer light years than all their other stuff. <laughs> uh, so that was eighteen, and now we get into the track that uh, we opened the episode with, which is "Angel in the Snow." So they they were working with producer uh, Rob Sh Rob Schnapp, right? That's mm -hmm. how you say his name. Uh, who worked with Guided by Voices and on all of the big Elliott Smith records, pretty much. And so Angel in the Snow, obviously a uh, title of an Elliott Smith song. And uh, on like a Facebook Live thing, like they had asked him, like, is there what's what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Is this like a direct like homage or reference? And he was saying how, because they were working with this producer, he was like just going back and listening to his work just to check it out. And so he was listening to a lot of Elliot Smith. And like he said to you, he was talking about how he writes a lot of melodies first. And so he wrote a melody and Angel in the Snow just fits so well mm. that he kept it. And he said he must have just had it in the back of his head because he was listening to a lot of Elliot Smith. So not like a direct, like conscious, yeah. like I'm going to pay homage to Elliot yeah. Smith. It was just sort of, uh, sort of in there for that. Um, the other uh, interesting thing about this track, uh, I think you had mentioned before, but uh, what would you say it is? Nate Roos of Fun. Nate Roos of Fun. And the format. Yeah, true. You a format fan? I never got into it. Oh, really? For I mean, probably because I've just never given it the time. But Really? It's, I think it's well worth your time. I, I, if you're a fun fan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A fun head, <laughs> as you guys call yourselves. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's, let's listen to the, the hook where... You can you can pretty hear them pretty Um so do you wanna do you wanna tell a story of how like they got him on the record? Uh yeah, sure. Um so what Barry told me is that basically Nate heard Never Hung Over Again. He didn't say how, but then somehow got Barry's email from one of his music industry people and basically and just emailed him being like, hey, man, really like the record. Um, good work. Just a nice email. Mm -hmm. um, and then Barry responded like, hey, if you're ever in L.A., let's get a beer or something. And they ended up meeting up and like hanging out and got along really well. And I think this was at the time that they were recording Cody and then they went back to the studio and. Barry was showing him some stuff, and originally, I think the bassist Matt, I believe his name is, uh, sang what turned out to be Nate's part. Right. Um, and then Barry was like, "Hey, Nate, why don't you like give this a shot?" And then Nate tried it, and here we are. Yeah, I think it's nice and encouraging to hear those those stories that, like, you know, 
there are like people out there who are pretty big yeah. names and pretty big stars, you know, uh, who are just doing stuff like that, who are like keeping up with like the new stuff that's coming out of music and then doing these kind of nice cordial things was just dropping a line and yeah. saying, hey man, I, I thought this was great. I appreciated it. And then the fact that, you know, he just was hanging out at the studio and he's like, yeah, I'll fucking, I'll do <laughs> a, I'll drop a vocal for yeah. you. Uh, really nice thing to and do. I think that like going back to your earlier question about like what song to use to introduce someone, I think this is the perfect song because you've, really? you've got the name recognition of Nate Roos on it. And it's like, if this guy will do it and he likes it, then there's got to be something to it. Sure. Um, uh, yeah. I, I guess people, people, fun is pretty popular. We're yeah. like, if you, I think, here's the thing. I think if you said, Nate Roos is on this track, <laughs> yeah. people would be well, like, who? Well, I, I always say Nate Roos is fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, okay. even in casual conversation. Right. For some reason. I, well, I think it's, I think it's, it's fine to do that because I think, I, I don't think he's big enough where you need to drop that credit, you know? <laughs> I saw, um, I went to like a Bernie Sanders rally at school and Nate Roos opened for him. What? Yeah. Uh, that's cool. It I was guess. pretty cool, but we were all very confused. Oh my god! Do you think he like? Do you think he like emailed Bernie too? Like, <laughs> hey man, I really like what you're doing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's so. He did he sing? Yeah, he sang that song. Um, when we are young, mm-hmm. that's a fun song, right? That's the fun song with Joe um, Monet. Yeah, and then there was. I think he did a couple of songs. And so you're going from like listening to like him do these songs, which is like a pretty cool thing, I guess, to see to this Bernie Sanders talking. Yep. Wow. What a what a what an energy shift. It not was, that people aren't stoked about Bernie or anything like that. I'm not taking away anything from the man and his work and his message and his voice. It's just like a tone shift, mm-hmm. you know, of like you ready for motherfucking Bernie Sanders, you know, or uh, well, I, I guess it's a cool. And it thing was to in say a, a basketball stadium. At, in Mich- it was the Chrysler Center at Michigan. Mm-hmm. So it was like a full-blown, fully packed basketball stadium. Nate Roos does like four songs. And then he's like, ladies and gentlemen, Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. And everyone was like. <laughs> did, did he do like the, 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 like the main event thing where he's like, oh, please give it up for, <laughs> for the guy from fun. You yeah, know? yeah. And then at after. Make sure you buy their EPs that are in the back. There were a couple of bands that played. Before and then after Bernie spoke, he like spoke on a podium in the middle of the stadium, sure. and then there was also a stage like where a stage would oh, normally okay. be set up in a stadium. So then after he spoke, he walked to the stage, and they, everyone that performed, including him, sang a song. What? Yeah. What song? What it, song? What could, what could they? It was definitely like fucking Sweet Caroline or something like it was that. Something like, what else like are they that. gonna do? It was like either like that or like America the Beautiful or oh, something. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's nice. That's a yeah. that's a that's a nice thing for them all to do. It was interesting. Sure. <laughs> or like this land is your land. That's what it was. It was was it really? Like, yeah. Bam. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Of course it was that. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, somewhere somebody's got that bootleg of somewhere. I'm sure you could find it on the internet of fucking Nate Roos and Bernie Sanders doing this Woody Guthrie song. Um, so. So yeah, so Angel in the Snow again, uh, somewhat of a reference to Elliot Smith, um, and one of the things that uh, Rob Schnaff did with this record, and particularly with uh, with um, Barry's vocals, is that he like doubled them over to kind of smooth them out. And it was interesting to me that this is the first time that they had like that had they had they had done that with his voice and the production in these records. And it's like 
yeah, they were they started off as this kind of raw punk band, but like they had been this is their fourth studio album, and this that's not like a crazy technique to do. Yeah. It's like pretty standard. I'm like I'm like du- du- doubling vocal takes on GarageBand demos on my computer. Yeah. Right now. Ooh, do you have any of them on you? No. <laughs> you're fucking lying. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> oh, I hope you're ready to double all of this stuff yeah. to smooth it out. <laughs> um, so I I thought that was kind of an interesting thing that they had never done that before, yeah. and he was like, "Oh, this is crazy. Yeah. This is like a that this thing happens." But I think it sounds pretty good. It sounds and really good for this type of uh for this type of like like sound that they're going for. I think that it it's they need that to smooth it out. Yeah, and it seemed like um what kind of happened was Barry would do a bunch of takes. They would not only double it, but also like. Rob would go back and be like, I like this part a little better and kind of insert different parts of different takes mm-hmm. in to create the best take. Right. Which I feel like is pretty unconventional because I feel like if you do something that you like, you would just redo the entire thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're a band that's not even used to doubling your vocals, you would just like retake the whole thing. Right. But it worked. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, like the thing with that is it's such a post-production thing that it takes away from the the sort of live raw nature that you know a lot of punk bands want to keep and put in there or, or, or keep in their music mm-hmm. that it's sort of like uh, anti all that stuff but the resulting sound kind of speaks for itself it, it even sound like i asked him i was like is this all live vocals or did you do something like mm-hmm. with the pitch and he was like no we just like you know fit it all together but it sounds so good that it's like how could this even be real you know <laughs> wow like well compared to their other records you know like the other records were so raw mm-hmm. um where he's just like screaming into a mic right um but now it just sounds so it's so smooth yeah i mean i don't think they're doing a lot of like pitch shifting or anything like right. that yeah, they've got like it. they've got like basic like limiting and compression i'm sure that like y- you just do in the <laughs> studio it just it's just kind of like boilerplate like production stuff that you do with it but yeah, I mean, they're this is this I guess this is the most that they've ever had to the the cleanest the vocals have yeah. ever sounded. And I guess the furthest from like what a what a live raw vocal would sound like when you think of it. So, let's let's play uh Last You Heard of Me. Found myself down at the So I think it was in your interview that he was like, this is the only like real autobiographical song yeah. on the record, right? Mm-hmm. This is about a night out in Portland. He yeah. Have you seen the music video for this? Is that where they go to the actual Joyce Manor? Yeah, and yeah. it's like a murder mystery yeah, type yeah, thing. Yeah. It was pretty fun. Yeah. I thought they did a fun job with that. Um, pretty basic, like, kind of like a Where I Come Around vibe, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> is this the, this is the longest song on the album, isn't 308. it? 308. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that's why they picked it for the music video, because they're like, right. we need... <laughs> something that like having a video budget is like worth like yeah. going out for and like spending the time and effort and money on. Um, and then after that, we have uh, Make Me Dumb. Make 
this is like kind of a departure too. This is like a real straight rock song. This is like very Queens of the Stone Agey. Like, yeah. You know, with the the way the the guitar tone sounds, you know, with all this stuff. And then this this and hook the, that comes in. I think this is the part that stuck in my head immediately. First listen, I was like. It's a great hook. Yeah. This this album is really full. Like you could tell that the attention and the effort and the time that was put into <clears throat> the melodies in this record like really paid off because yeah. like these hooks are really really infectious. Like they are all they all get stuck in your head. They did they did a great job with them. Um, and you can and you can really tell that they, those are all all also like the focal points of the of the songs too because they're like right up front. You know, there's not a lot of like, you remember all the vocal melodies. You don't remember a lot of like the guitar riffs because mm-hmm. there's not really, you know, right. like a, a main like, oh, this is the, this is going to go into the song or anything like that. Um, I don't know. I, would you say like, that's like, that's, that's kind of like a hallmark of, of like, of like their sound, right? Like they don't really have these like really catchy guitar riffs. That's like, oh, that's the thing for this sound. Like with my friends over you for instance that newfound glory song yeah. like you hear that guitar riff and like that's what that is right. damn it you know like you hear that yeah, guitar yeah. Riff, that's what that is they don't really have any of those right so can you think of any any songs where it's like oh this this is the guitar riff for this yeah i mean i I'll, I'll, the only one that i can think of is the one um i can't remember the name of it where so it's i'm like, putting you on the spot it's like it's on the um the self-titled i can't think of it either but you know what i'm talking about i do yeah i do yeah i guess that would be one that's the only one i could think of so this is uh over before it began I think this is such a good ballad. Oh yeah. I think this is such a good ballad to have on the record. Uh, also a good placement for it too as like the seventh track. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a really nice, sweet, like pop rock song. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. To, it's a good one to pick on there. And I wonder if like uh, they had a few like that and that's the one they chose because he was saying they had, they wrote 30 songs mm-hmm. and they ended up recording 11 of them yeah. um, with only 10 making it to the record. So I'm curious as to like what those other songs were and if like that was like, I, I, I don't know why, but for some reason I feel like there were maybe a few that were kind of like in that one, that realm. Cause I think it's so unique on the record, you know, Yeah. as like uh, that and maybe the last song are like the only ballads. Um, but yeah, I just feel like there were probably some other ones that didn't really make the cut. Uh, what do you think were like the, was like the sounds of some of the stuff that they left off or that they were like, ah, this isn't so good. Just speculating. I feel like it was probably more of the four chord like fast stuff because they were they were like no 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 we're trying I think they're maybe like the melodies didn't fit or something mm-hmm. like that and they were just they were really going for they were trying to get out of their comfort zone it seems like a little bit mm-hmm. um, so maybe they left behind like a bunch of like just like brooding fast stuff that they that might come more naturally to them at this point. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I mean, this is their fourth studio record, and like, with a band like this, who you can tell, like, they they kind of care. Not, 
it's not a good way to put it, but they're they're very like sort of they're kind of like intellectual in the way that they're looking at this stuff and the, the way that they think and like of their music. And I feel like I'm putting down other bands by saying that, and I don't mean to, but mm-hmm. I, I can't think of any other, any better way to articulate that. That like they want to be exploring and trying new sounds and new things, and sometimes that like works really well for bands, and sometimes it doesn't. That's the thing I find fascinating actually is like when bands eventually deviate from their sound, like they'll all deviate in different ways. You know, like Four Year Strong like came out their most recent or any way shape or form was like this like straight like pop rock like record like there was no really punky hardcore stuff on it at all it was just like a song you would hear on k-rock uh and then with like the wonder years like they're moving into like a more like just kind of alt rock thing and with like newfound glory who deviated like once with (laughs) um with uh oh my god that that album with it's not your fault i can't believe i can't think of it because i'm a big newfound glory fan but like they got kind of like trashed for that and nobody i love that record but nobody else liked it and then you have fallout boy who is like now just doing this dance pop stuff you know it's just like it's so interesting the different ways that these bands deviate and like experiment with sound and like mature and like what the different like reactions from the fans are you know of like oh like this is okay and this is not i don't know what's your what's your take on some of that stuff on like on like these bands kind of growing up and getting like different sounds the the most glaring example i think of that is fallout boy Mm -hmm. and glaring in what way it's just i don't know if it works it works for them they're making a shit ton of money exactly i think that's why they're doing it sure um i don't know if it's really an intellectual kind of um conscious moving forward in the sound as much as like we know what's gonna work well on pop radio now and let's move into that direction here's why i think it is because yes it's this very like to to like everyone who i'm assuming you liked like og fallout boy stuff so to everyone who like owns you know night out with your girlfriend or evening out with your girlfriend like remember when patrick stump did his solo thing when was that you don't remember that? No. Patrick Dunk Patrick Dunk. Patrick Stump <laughs> did like a solo thing. He came out with like an EP and then a full length. And if you listen to that stuff, um, I actually like talked to him about it. He was like, it, it's like this all dancey stuff, you know? It, it was a separate thing, it was his own thing. And he was talking about the difference in the production of that and like um Is this after Fallout Boy like dissolved for a little bit? No, 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 no. This, this was this was like this was right before infinity on high or maybe like around that time and um and he was talking about how like with the fallout boy stuff like you look at the pro tool screen and there's like you know maybe like 12 tracks of different things but you look at his uh his like sort of solo stuff and there's like 40 tracks of Mm. all of this layered stuff and so he already had that in him that he wanted to do this like more poppy dancey stuff because he's got that ridiculously amazing voice and it seems like he's got these like kind of Michael Jackson-y proclivities. Like even they did that whatever thriller cover, you know, but like his voice, like he can do stuff like that. It like completely lends itself to it. In fact, I'm gonna look some of this up and I'm gonna play some for you just to <laughs> get your take on it. But that's why I don't think like they are simply pandering to try and get big. Like I do think like he, you know, this was a thing before he was uh you know, when they were just uh still making their their right pop punk stuff so this is this is a song called spotlight
So all this stuff was around like 2011. And he had a full-length record called Soul Punk. And then he had an EP called True Wave. Oh, this is like a remix. Hold on, let me play you the real one. <laughs> this, is the, this is the original one. This is all Truant Wave, the EP. So when this came out, like for what it was, I was like, this is fine. This yeah. is like just pop music. I think his voice sounds really good with it. I think I like had this on like a running like playlist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get to like where it picks up. So this is 2011. Yeah, you know? I didn't know about this. It's really interesting. But just like, you know, I, I don't, I'm sure like some of it is because like, you know, they're probably making a lot of money and all that stuff. But like there at least were inklings of like that, like as like a real artistic, right. you know, yeah. uh, want of them to do at that time, <laughs> regardless of what you think of it. But mm -hmm. uh, so getting back to that, uh, like bands, these pop punk bands and these punk bands, like sort of departures from like their original sound. So Fall Out Boy is a glaring one. Uh, do do you like it? Do you think it works? Like, do you think it works more often than not? Or like, it's a very general question. Yeah, I, know. I, th I think it works. Mm -hmm. Um, it, going back to the Wonder Years, I think that it definitely works for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that they've gotten stronger with almost every record they've done. They've certainly become better musicians. But yeah. here, here's what I'll ask you: is is with the Wonder Years, you know, a band whom I love very much as well, the Greatest Generation, like. Are you putting that on more than, uh, more than like the first two records? At this point, it's uh, I listen to Suburbia a lot, right? Um, but when like, I don't know. I feel I for me, I think what happened is that as they were releasing these albums, they were like resonating with me on a personal level because hmm. like the stuff that they were singing about was like stuff that for whatever reason I was dealing with, although I was like, I don't know what, 10, 15 years younger. Mm -hmm. um, so like when I listened to the upsides for the first time, I was like freshman in high school, like very skittish mm -hmm. and it just made sense. Um, and then suburbia was like, it's more a reflective of the time that you spent as a kid, um, as a younger person, even though they were older, but like they're talking about like, you know, there's that song Summers in PA where it's like something about weeknights in the summer. You know, I was just thinking about those things at the time. And then The Greatest Generation came out where it's like considering your place and like this legacy of your family and the people that you surround yourself with. And that's just something I was thinking about at the time. And then No Closer to Heaven was about loss mm -hmm. mostly. And that was just like shit that was for coincidentally I was thinking Dealing about. with and like thinking yeah. about. But like, I mean, so... Yeah, this certainly isn't to take away from the artistic statements mm -hmm. that these albums are, you know? Like, I I appreciate when these bands grow and they explore their their sound or explore, like, other things. 
a lot of fans will tend to be like, no, I just want the first record, the first <laughs> two records, you know? But I mean, when it, so granted, they, they are, of course, like, you know, they can do whatever they want with their art and it's their thing to make. But you, as the listener, like, you can respect it and you're like, yeah, I like what they're doing here. But when it comes down to it, what are you putting on more? Yeah. You know, um, like, that's the thing. That su- suburbia, like, just has always been my shit. Um, right. I think that's a fucking phenomenal record. Um, and then, uh, like, Greatest Generation got its rounds on my uh, CD player and turntable and stuff. Like, that was mm-hmm. for a year, maybe. Maybe two. Um and then I, w- I was really interested to see what was going to happen because once the Greatest Generation tour cycle ended, they were like, okay, these were three albums in a trilogy about growing up. It's over. Mm-hmm. We're moving on now. So I was really interested to see what they were going to do now because they did this so well. Mm-hmm. And then it was... It, it, the trilogy didn't really end. It was like more of the same kind of thematic stuff, but viewing it from, a, I guess, a different um, vantage point. Uh, who knows? Kind of, uh, yeah. <laughs> If, so, if he wants to package it as that, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I give Soupy the, the latitude to be, artistic latitude to be able to do that. Have you heard his Aaron West, West project? Oh, yeah. That, I, I think, think that is. I think it's fun. I yeah. Think it's, I think it, I don't know about fun, but I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I think it's so impressive. My, my parents love it. Really? Yes. That's funny. Yeah. They, my parents, lo- like, I've seen Aaron West and my dad twice. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> what a nice way to, to bridge generations. <laughs> no. Um, so well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little bit of Reversing Machine, getting back to this record, no which I think the vocals on this are the one track that's like more reminiscent of their older stuff. Right, it's a lot of him like sort of guttural, yeah, really putting his like oof into it. yeah. Because it's after this part, it's like a bridge. Yeah. Well, this song's only a minute and thirty. Yeah, so. this part. Like, that's the Joyce Matter that we know and love. Right. So I think, like, this track in particular is, like, a perfect blend of, like, yep. their new like maturing like songwriting stuff and like their their older stuff so now the penultimate uh track on this record is stairs a tribute to our favorite way to manually go up go up or down or down oh didn't think about yeah. that yeah i'd say slides are the best Maybe way to go down, are the, are the way to go down. Yeah. and the, and the not as good way to go up fireman's bowls there you go. Boom. Oh, I'm sorry. This is the longest song. This is four minutes and two seconds. Right. Yeah. 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 So back to that thing we were kind of saying before. If you're listening to Joyce Manor, or you want to listen to Joyce Manor. Yeah, this album's still pretty fresh. It's a very good record. Yeah. I like it, and I think you like it as well. Are you putting this on over Never Hung Over Again? I can never choose with them. I usually Do you just, play them both at the same time? <laughs> no, I literally just shuffle through the artist playlist. Oh, uh, look at you. And I never skip anything. Mm. Um, okay. I think that they're a rare breed of band where they like 
in the stuff that's available on like Spotify is perfect to me. Uh, I very rarely will skip a song mm-hmm. when I'm like shuffling through, and it's great for listening to like on the subway or whatever. Sure. Um, yeah. So I I don't I don't cho- really ever choose one over the other. If I'm if it's like a really nice summer day, I'll probably put on Cody and just be like, wow, today's a great day. Sure. <laughs> sure. But uh, this is an instance in which, like, the older stuff doesn't necessarily take precedent over right. the newer stuff. Yeah. Oh, the older stuff doesn't take precedent over the newer stuff. And then it ends with, I think this might be my favorite song on the record, actually. This song is great. This song, this song is a mess, but so am I. Do you know Do you know a band that was around for a while called The Swellers? Yep. I think They're from the, Michigan. I think he kind of sounds like the lead singer of The Swellers, especially in this song. Yeah. They played in my basement once. Really? I but, like love before the I was there. So well, I, what do you I mean lived, before you were there? I li- no, not in not in my like house. So I live in Michigan. I used to live in like a DIY punk house kind of thing. Oh. Yeah. So they okay. played. They played there. Uh, I think in like 2008. Like your parents nine. are booking like yeah. shows like before you were born. My parents are very cool. Uh, I think his voice sounds a lot like. Um, oh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Nick Diener from The Swellers yeah. in this song. And this also kind of sounds like a Swellers song. Yeah. Maybe that's why I like it so much. I miss that band. That was really so I was going to go to their last show and then I fucked up. I fucked up. I think I had like a class or something. No, I guess that's a I guess it's decent enough reason not to yeah, go. Not really. Uh, so this is a great record. What do you give it? You don't have to rate it. We're not going to do that. To <laughs> uh, but you agree this is a good one. Oh, yeah. And uh, you're looking forward to their stuff that they're going to be putting out later? Always looking forward to New Joyce Matter. To New Joyce Matter. And I, I will see them live a hundred more times. Uh, Zach, what can people, what should people do to like find your stuff and like get in touch with you and all that good stuff? Uh, this, is your, this is the plug section. Yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter too much. Uh, What's your Twitter handle? It's at GAC, G-A-C, underscore, Zelf and Z-E-L-F-A-N-D. Uh, that's probably the best way to get in touch with me because I'm always on my fucking phone. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what? What are? What's a? Give us. Give some like posts that you've written on Uproxx or wherever that you think people should check out. Uh, so this I, one, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to this to this episode. You should check out. Yeah. Your article about this record. Um, I wrote about. The Green Day show I went to at the Joe Louis Arena, mm-hmm. where I talked about before how I snuck into the GA, um, which was not the most professional thing to do, but I did it. Um, you got to do what you need to do for yeah, journalism. Exactly. Huh? And for Billy Joe Armstrong. Sure. Uh, I, I did a long profile on this Australian band called the Smith Street Band, okay. um, who released a new record called More Scared of You Than You Are of Me. Which is fantastic, and I did a pretty long interview with the frontman Will, and we did a song by song breakdown of the album. Um, yeah, those are those are the things that I worked really hard on, and those are the things that people should check out. Yeah. Well, man, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. This was any great. other pop punk records we can think of, we'll have you back on to <laughs> cool. talk about. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's a bunch that are more that are on there. Oh yeah. So we'll have you back on, and thanks everyone for listening. A 
Attention Springwood, my name is Josh Krebs. And I'm Liz Richards. And we're the hosts of Bloody Date Night. So Josh and I have been dating for four years, and Josh loves horror movies, and I hate him. Yeah, so each episode we go through the horror movie franchise canon to watch an episode and then meet up and we discuss it together. And so far it's been going pretty well, right Liz? I think it's gone pretty well so far. Yeah, each episode I try to see how far I can push Liz to watch a really good horror movie until she basically leaves me and it hasn't worked yet. Not yet. And it's awesome because you're the Tatum to my Sydney. You're sweet. And here's a clip from one of our recent episodes. Hello, I'm Exposition. Hey, let me t- let me tell you what just happened. There's a break-in at this costume store. Somebody stole some ropes, some knives. Somebody stole a mask. They stole $250. <laughs> they scared a cat. They took two boas. They took two boas. Two feather boas, one uh, set of angel wings. It's one of those goddamn... They're probably having a burlesque. <laughs> probably doing a burlesque show later. I don't know. Oh, Haddonfield. What isn't happening? <laughs> Haddonfield's first burlesque. Burlesque club. That'd be amazing. I would love that. Um, the Lacey Pumpkin. The Lacey... Ooh. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!